Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. Let's pause on that because now that we've horrified everyone about this idea that, you know, all these terrible things can happen when you try to introduce a mindfulness practice to your home about getting stepped on and kicked and brained and and all these sorts of things, um, which the thing I was going to connect back to preparation is you can prepare for a lot of those things so they don't occur instead of being mad when they happen. We can say, okay, that that way of trying to account for that didn't work, or I didn't think to account for this other thing, et cetera, et cetera. But we could have like an hour and a half conversation just about environment prep. Mm-hmm. And and that, I, that's what we do in our program. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, yeah, the whole chapter, a whole like section module. Yeah, a whole section of videos. Yeah. So if that's something you want, you can buy her. <laughs> you can buy her course, yeah. uh, Luminous course. But in, in this moment, I think it would be valuable to give people a little bit of an up. Uh, as to why it's so cool to do this. And something that was really powerful that you said to me when we were talking about your family practice was this idea of uh, connection and freedom, like what it's like to have family time without technology. Mm-hmm. I was hoping you would tell us more about that side of your family mindfulness practice and how yeah. that went. Yeah. Um, so as much as we are Kundalini yogis and we want to be conscious, we get really caught up in our cell phones. Like, I mean, every human being does. And so I've definitely battled my own tech addiction issues. Um, it's just mesmerizing. And so Sometimes I think for every family, like it's hard to just be present in the moment. There is this like other worlds that you could be participating in. Just like you and I are having a conversation right now through my computer. You are in California. I'm in Massachusetts. It's not reality in my space right now. I'm actually in my house, in my condo in an office, you know, like you're not physically in front of me, but I'm having this experience with you. And if someone else was in the room, they wouldn't be able to participate with me because I would be somewhere else. So that is just always present. And it takes so much now to just put that down and actually interface with the real people that are in the room. You said eye contact is heart contact which blew my mind. Please tell me more about that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I learned this through like a lot of different retreats that I went on. You know, they ask you sometimes to do that exercise where you just are assigned to a partner and you're supposed to look in each other's eyes. Yep. And I, (laughs) yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. The art of living. Um, yeah, I don't, it's called something else now, but it's, uh, yeah, the similar yogic practice and you you go down the line and you each stare into each other's eyes as you go down the line and you rotate through until you've done that in front of everybody. So Yeah. I found when I did that the first time, um I didn't want to look in the other person's eyes. And I the message I got was I don't want to love you. <laughs> and it was like 
just that was a really big message for me about how easily it was how easy it was for me to really get inside of someone else's life and and feel heart connection just through eye contact mm-hmm. um it's just a really powerful thing <laughs> and um my husband and I when we got married the, the, our wedding day was like ridiculously crazy so it really wasn't that spiritual of an experience for me there was like way too much stress and drama going on with like extended families and like our head spaces and just like I think we had forgotten to get the marriage license signed so like minutes before we I walked down the aisle the priest was like did you sign it and I said we forgot to file it so then we actually ended up having to go back and do it again legally a couple weeks later and you know like (laughs) the food the catering like all that stuff was happening so our wedding day like when we were saying the vows I remember just realizing I wasn't very present and later we did um, a practice, a Kundalini yoga practice. It's called white tantric yoga and meditation. And you meditate together as couples. So you can either do it with a stranger who's there, or you can bring someone and do it with someone you choose to do it with. And don't get hung up on the word tantric. I was going to say, it doesn't mean what people think it means. Yeah. Yeah. It's different than red tantric, which would be a sexual practice. This is like clothed in it. It's not sexual. But um, you look into each other's eyes for hours. And so when my husband and I did that, I remember feeling like, I feel like we just got married. Mm-hmm. Like that was the experience that I was hoping for in my wedding. That experience of looking to, into each other's eyes for so long really had the effect of a marriage. And so I've personally just always been very sensitive to how powerful eye contact is. So it's not a like yogic teaching that I know of. It's just my own personal wisdom. (laughs) But I think eye contact is extremely bonding for me personally. And so I really want to have it with my children as much as I can. Um, And I I think a lot about, you know, it's it's not hard to achieve it now because they're young. They're five and seven. It's getting harder as they get more like into reading and just doing their own things. Like, breastfeeding, the eye contact is incredible. Babies will just stare into your eyes and, and then you see your face on their eyeballs because, you know, like it's glassy surface and you see the reflection of yourself in their eyeballs. And it's just, it's an, you have all this oxytocin flowing from the breastfeeding part and there's all like this bonding. It's an incredible experience. Um, and so I've, I've, gotten a lot of eye contact with them and I'm watching it change. And I, I'm really thinking a lot about what it's going to be like when they're teenagers and (laughs) how little eye contact we all get with each other anymore. Like walking down the street, right? Yeah. Does anyone look at each other anymore? It's like weird to look at someone now, right? Yeah. It's interesting when you said the thing about uh, being difficult to look at people when you were doing that exercise, is I've been an outlier personality for the vast majority of my life. And um, so I, when I do start to feel the certain types of social pressures, um, because I was kind of out, you know, either pushed out socially or chose not to engage socially for, you know, different times in my life for different reasons, 
I'm not complete. I'm in, I, I like to say I'm inoculated against certain types of expectations. So it's, it's not that it's been eliminated. It's not that I don't feel those pressures. It's just that maybe I feel them differently from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I walked into that exercise very consciously saying, I am prepared to feel uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, I know, I understand the exercise. I understand how weird it is. I'm, I'm a, a reflective you know, person. I, I like to think of myself as a thoughtful person, agree or disagree, whoever else is in my life, who happens to be listening to this, that's fine. I'll accept whatever opinion you have. Um, I do think about my thoughts. And so I very consciously was like, I know that I'm about to experience something incredibly uncomfortable. And mm. I know that there is a high probability that this might be even more uncomfortable for the person across from me than it is from me. So I'm just going to be as present as possible and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, for one of the people that I sat across from when I was you know, staring into their eyes, not like it's longingly or lovingly, you're just literally staring at another person's face and trying to spend as much time as possible looking directly into their eyeballs. Um, I cried. There was just something about staring at that particular person at that particular moment where I just started crying. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm here for this. And I, and this, I, this might make the person across from me uncomfortable or it might make them somehow feel relieved. I don't know. And I'm not going to worry about that right now. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to cry. So I just cried. And then another person, I just kind of felt very solid and sitting across from them and staring at them. And you know, someone else, it was just very clear that they were not, they were not having it. <laughs> they were so beyond uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'll just look at you for and make as much eye contact as I can while you're trying to figure out whether or not you can make eye contact with me. And, you know, yeah. it's just, it's, it is what it is. So I agree with you about, you know, understanding the, that type of a, a connection. Uh, I was at um, dinner with, with uh, my partner last night and uh, some random woman walked by and I just happened to have my, my beer in front of my face and we made eye contact and she was totally there for it. And she'd never seen me before in her entire life. And she just was like, what's up? Like she just full head nod, big wide eyes, big fat smile, locked eyes, just like, what's up? And I got my beer in my face and I did as, you know, as much eye gesture as I could to be like, yeah, I'm here for it too. What's up? You know, it, it is, it's a, it's a different, it is, an un, it is becoming an increasingly uncommon experience as people are literally walking down the street and crossing the street in front of cars looking at their cell phones. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> there's, this, there's this comic that I posted on Instagram the other day, and it's these two teenagers. It's from the New York Times. I can't remember the author. Or I would give credit, but the two teenagers are like looking at their phones, and one says in the caption, um, shoot (laughs) so it's like um I want my I I want my the first time I'm I want the first time I make eye contact to be with someone special holy (laughs) 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 yeah yeah. so priceless yeah and, and so I, I'm, I, I think part of my interest in doing family yoga with my family and, and the other families too, I think we all feel that we all, we know we're going to lose our kids to their cell phones at some point because we've all lost ourselves to our cell phones at some point. Mm. It's, it's an incredibly addictive experience to be on computers and on phones and 
Um, so we are fighting for that space in our home just to try to stay connected to each other at least once a day, you know? Um, and so that's what, that's part of what the practice is about and why we're doing it so much is just to stay human. <laughs> well, yeah. It, 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 at the same time, what I think is again, very powerful, what you just said is that you're setting the environment, mm-hmm. right? So when people are concerned, it's like, Oh, my kid's 13. It's too late to do family yoga. It's like, no, it's not too late. It's just going to be potentially, depending on your kid's personality, a lot harder Yeah, if you're used to as a family being separated. And now suddenly you're asking your kid to be attentive to themselves and to you in this, in this moment. You know, the, the sooner you do certain things, the more natural they are because there's less resistance to them. That doesn't yeah. mean that it's not worth working with or through the resistance to get the results you want. It's the same as, you know, changing a kid's diet or, um, you know, uh, I get to hear lots of stories, uh, about parents who, uh, either because I was talking to them about their relationship with their kids or like my mom's a therapist. And so she should relay stories to me about things that are happening with their clients, of course, perfectly confidentially, not passing anything personal about them, but just the general idea that, uh, when people would meet resistance, they took that resistance to mean that there was something wrong mm-hmm. as opposed to they were working through that challenge to get to something good. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest limiter and defeater of people with any type of goal, period. Mm-hmm. And it only makes it more apparent uh, when you are literally across from someone who is resisting what you are requesting of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just want to again call out so this doesn't sound like doom and gloom. Oh, we're going to lose all our kids to their cell phones. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it, it, we can do something about it, and we can have expectations of our children, of our family, of our friends. Um, you know, as an adult, I have transformed my friendships with people because I wanted them to stay in my life, but I also wanted something different for myself, mm-hmm. and so. It's, so there were one, one of my closest friends, we had a really rough period of like three months that was almost didn't talk at all when we'd been talking like every week up to that point. And it was just, I changed something. He, it chafed against him. He just got really randomly, quote, randomly, unquote, pissed one day, like mm-hmm. didn't talk to me for three weeks. And I was like, okay, it is what it is. And then I got irritated by something and I, so I didn't try to follow up. And then like three months later, it was as if nothing had happened and we reconnected and we just, we just did what we needed. We just did what we needed to do. Um, so I, I'm saying that, again, not to be doom and gloom, but to say, you know, it is possible to have what you want simply because it's difficult to get there doesn't mean that you can't get there. And it's, yeah. it's not worth the trouble. Yeah, exactly. You know? Hey, y'all, just want to take a quick break in the action, let you know that if you're enjoying what you're listening to, please do recommend it to a friend. I would love to expand my audience, and the best ways to do that are word of mouth and reviewing my podcast on the iTunes Apple podcast platform. If you'd like to leave me a voice comment, go over to anchor.fm slash educate for life, anchor.fm slash educate the number four life. It might even end up in the show. For more information about what I'm up to, please check out my website, www.educate4.life. That's educate, the number four, dot life. Now, back to the show. Exactly. And, and you know, it's, it's complicated 
in the parenting situation because you know you're the parent and you're not a friend although you want to have elements of friendship with your children and bonding and connection and closeness you are also you know you're the parent and it's confusing it's confusing um how much to just let them be themselves and and determine their lives and it's hard enough right now with seven, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old um, to honor them and and who they are, but also have expectations and boundaries um, as the parent. And so, yeah, I think a lot about what adolescence is going to be like because their whole job as an adolescent is to differentiate and to mm-hmm. say that they don't want to be just like me. They want to be different and separate and and follow their own rhythm, (laughs) but they still, their brains are not fully formed and (laughs) they don't have all of their prefrontal cortex. So we got to try to get them through that phase alive. (laughs) Right. um, And they do have, you know, the capacity to like create life and become parents and, and like all kinds of capacity. And, And so to be able to guide them as their parent through that, that stage I think is, it's not doom and gloom. It's just, it's something I think maybe because it was a difficult time of life for me that I am really aware of it and thinking a lot about it. And and I like what you said. It's true. We want to start as early as we possibly can because they're so interested in what I'm doing right now. They're so into it. They want to do what I'm doing. And so that's another reason we're really intentional about doing it at this young age. Um, like I said, with the one-year-old, like it's really easy to transmit it to them and they're not going to think it's weird. Um, and we're just on the cusp of almost not being able to share this with our seven-year-old because, you know, he's moving out of the space of worshiping and idolizing us and he's mm-hmm. got his own agenda. And so um, I think it was really important to introduce it early just like we also put him in dance classes early so that he would feel like it was normalized rather than need permission from his peers to be a dancer and form his identity later when he might be getting, you know, like cultural pressure to not dance. We wanted him to experience it and know that he has the capacity to do it before anyone could judge him and before his peers became important in that. One of the greatest ironies of my life has been that uh, I grew up dancing and I went to an all boys school and I got more homophobic jokes from the guys that I danced with than I did about going to an all boys school than I got going to the all boys school about dancing. The guys that I went to high school with were like, you dancer, that's awesome. That is so cool. I wish I could dance. And the guys that I danced with were like, you go to a boy school? Are you queer or something? Like, not all of them, only a couple of them. But that's, a, that's you know, an obnoxious voice to hear in your ear almost literally every day because I was in a performing company in high school. So I was seeing these people almost every day. Um, it was just interesting to have had wow. that, that flip-flopped uh, type of experience from what others might expect. Um, I, I wanted to give a word of, um, I don't know, encouragement as someone who knows you, 
mm-hmm. that your concern about how they'll be as adolescents. Of course, I don't know your kids. I know you. So <laughs> how they're going to be in, you know, five years and the, you know, in the four years, four or five years after that, as they work through adolescence, I can't say. What I can say though, is as someone who is so conscious and as someone who is into uh, practices like Kundalini yoga and like um, Montessori, that there is a different type of sensitivity and awareness that you have. And I think that the biggest challenge that people have in interacting with teenagers is they flip flop how they're adults and how they're children, mm-hmm. which basically looks like giving them the responsibilities of an adult, but giving them the consequences of children when it mm-hmm. needs to be the reverse. <laughs> Um, and, and that they, they need to be treated more like children and understanding the, the, the size of their capacity while Mm -hmm. simultaneously giving them more responsibility like you would an adult. It's very, it's a very Mm -hmm. strange time where people are taking responsibilities away from teenagers and not trusting them with challenges, Mm -hmm. but then like leaving them home alone for a month while they Mm -hmm. travel to a foreign country or something. It's just really weird and then not like holding them accountable for any of the choices that they made um, Mm. in during that time. So I really feel our our culture, the reason why we think teenagers are so horrible is that we don't understand how to set proper expectations for teenagers. And it literally is just reversing the adult expectations we have of them and the childhood expect the child expectations, because they are in this weird limbo space where they are differentiating. Mm -hmm. And that I thought, I swear I would never be a middle school teacher. And then I was a teacher in a, in a you know, middle school at a, in a Montessori, uh, two different Montessori schools. And it is one of my absolute favorite ages between 12 and 15 because they have just enough of the childlike wonder left, especially in a Montessori environment where they haven't been squashed and jaded. I'm not saying that all mainstream environments do that. I'm just saying there is a tendency, especially around the area I live, where there's a real disconnect between affluence and lack of affluence and what it produces in the children. Mm-hmm. Um but I loved it. I loved it because they loved that I harassed, like playfully, you know, harassed them. They, mm-hmm. uh, and then I had a sense of humor with them and I treated them like teenagers, you know, I get, and they had responsibilities and they could fail and that I would support them in their failure. You know, it's, it's, instead of trying to keep kids from failing, we need to give them safe ways to fail. And mm-hmm. I know that you are preternaturally programmed to operate in that capacity and to work through your own challenges. Again, it's self-management, right? To work through your own challenges to allow them to make mistakes and fail when you want to save them. And Mm -hmm. I think that gives you an amazing capacity and and is going to give just amazing opportunities to your kids because you're willing to struggle with yourself through those times that you want to save them and choose to not save them. And I'm not talking about obviously not literally saving their life or, you know, grabbing their hands. They don't cross in front of a car. Obviously you can fucking grab your kid. But I mean, like, uh, in, in other ways and other developmentally appropriate ways for them to, to struggle and fail. And I, and so I pre commend you uh, before they're even teenagers on doing that because I genuinely believe that that is one of your strengths. Thank you, Ryan. I really, really appreciate that. You're welcome. 
Um, so I know there's a lot of other stuff we want to talk about, but I know it's also three hours ahead for you and it is getting quite late. And so I wanted to just give you the opportunity if there was any final thoughts that you had, if there was uh, something that you wanted to either pull up from, we talked and revisited or a wrap up or like a key takeaway that it looks like a TLDR too long, didn't read too long, didn't listen. Um, if there was something that people could take away from this conversation right now, um, and apply immediately, what would it be? Oh, let me just take a minute to tune into myself. Yeah. Hold on. I think that would be exactly my message would be that um, parenting is really challenging, but we do have a sanctuary within ourselves, in our breath, and in our consciousness that we can call on. And, you know, we, we get to take a moment to just gather ourselves and, and, and follow that inter, inner compass. And um, that's all we're trying to do through yoga and meditation, which is one way of, of getting that space and taking that moment and taking that breath. But other people find it with organized religion and people find it through exercise and people find it through art and music. And some people find it through food and some people, you know, there's so many different ways, but um, as a mother, as a as a parent, the intention, the, the deep desire to really bless these people's lives um, can can be so intense that that being able to have that moment to just reconnect to ourselves and reconnect to our partner. And then reconnect with our children. We can feel the the preciousness in the way. Like I think that's been the theme for tonight is that everything is okay the way that it is and the way that it isn't. Like you can just be present to what's here. And if you're not afraid, you know, to make eye contact with the moment that's mm-hmm. here right now, mm-hmm. um, there's a gift in it. And you get to encounter yourself and, and how beautiful you are. And mm-hmm. that's been the experience of being on your podcast and, and my experience of being with you, Ryan, really like you have constantly reflected back to me um, the light that is within me, with the light that's within me. Um, and you also really respect the light that's within you. Um, so it w- this was exactly what I, I thought it was going to be like a really beautiful moment of being present and conscious. Thank you. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you for that, for saying that and for being present for that in this conversation. Um, I really do think that there's something uniquely powerful in, in what you said about um, making eye contact with the moment, Mm -hmm. with the now because I think that it's so hard to be vulnerable so much of what we think 
is our voice is noise in our heads. And that's what that taking that breath is. That's what the having a meditation or a mindfulness practice is about and running or dancing or playing violin or whatever is starting to quiet some of that extra noise. You genuinely can hear yourself and can be present for yourself and others. And that requires that moment, that moment of, of truly looking uh, at that moment and being present with yourself to be able to be present with others. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm so glad that we could have a, have our, uh, and however long, hour and a half long Satnam uh, moment together. Uh, <laughs> and that's and, the traditional closing is also, it's hello and the end is Satnam at the end as well. Well, I look forward to doing another one of these with you as soon as we can possibly do it since there was so much more that we wanted to talk about today and we just didn't have time. And I really think it would be valuable for people to hear your perspective on on some, some more things from your background, from growing up and how you are in the world and how that's informed your choice to do this mindfulness practice with your family. But um, for now, I guess I will say uh, Satnam. Yeah, Satnam. <laughs> Hey again, thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate for underscore life. That's educate, the number four, underscore life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, so expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon. <laughs>